The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 142, continuing our season preview positional podcast. We're going to the shortstop position to wrap up the infield tonight. You can find myself on Twitter at BD Entrick and my co-host as always on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy Toby. How are we doing, my friend? Doing well, Bubba. We were just talking before the show. We are we are both in send well, I guess I'm in Northern California. You're in Central, and it is just uh it's pouring rain. It's just raining and raining and raining. So it's crazy. Um, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild out here on the podcast. It's wild. Like, I've been, I've been fortunate. I know people have been evacuated. Power going out yesterday. I did two shows where my internet went out in between the two somehow, but not during them. Thank God. Um, it's just been wacky weather. And last week when the, there was a the set of storms last week, not this set that went crazy. Power did go out for like 24 hours at my house and having a two-year-old with no power that you just potty Ooh. trained for like four days is oh, not man. fun. Not, I'm just going to throw it out. Not fun at all. There could be poop anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I mean, really like, just... like, is, is that, was that like a leftover snack on the floor, like a banana or is that like poop? Like, I have no idea. You, I mean, you just have to taste it and find out. That's just that's the only way to go. I, I prefer to smell the taste. Yeah, okay, oh, okay, okay. I got a bad sense of smell. Um, my, uh, my, uh, uncle gave our kids, um, for Christmas, gave them, um, what are they called? Essentially like petrified dinosaur poop. I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh God, what is it? Petrified. I'm I'm Googling petrified dinosaur poop, um, on the podcast. This could be a first for a fantasy baseball cat. Definitely a first. A a coprolite, a coprolite. Um, is what it's called. And it looks kind of, it looks exactly like cat poop, 
essentially. <laughs> you know, so it could, I, honestly, it could, he could this just be playing a joke on us. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, this is copper light. It's petrified dinosaur oh. poop and it's really cat poo. But, um, but anyways, like my kids started putting it around the house, like everywhere. So we're like, oh, instead of elf on the no shelf, idea, uh, you have yeah. dinosaur poop. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. At least it's petrified. You know, it's, yes, it's hard. There you go. So. That's funny. That's funny. But yeah, it's wild times out here. Not used to the weather like this. And uh, supposed to be like this for another seven days or so. So we'll see, see what happens. See if we still have podcasts next week. But uh, I think we will. But uh, we're going to uh, talk. Fate, fate knows not to mess with our podcast. Yeah. Do not. Do not, not think nights. about interrupting our podcast. Tuesday nights. It's a no-go. It's a no-fly zone. Leave it alone. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll hit the shortstops up tonight. Wrap up the infield. We talked third base last week. Uh, we kind of talked a little off air about the shortstop position. Like, used to be by far the deepest position in baseball. And the way uh, we talked about it off the air was it was depth of like kind of elite talent, it felt like, or really, really good talent. Where this year, that doesn't feel the same way. Like, there's a definite gap when we start talking about picks. So we'll get into that and much, much more. But before we get to that, Toby, from the 2022 season, what are your takeaways that you might be changing or using as a strategy for 2023? Well, I do. I agree with you. I feel like shortstop used to have a lot of depth to it. And it's still certainly a good, I think, a a nice position fantasy baseball wise, like generally. I mean, they're all like kind of the same, right? I think I think we have pretty similar conversations around them. I will say, I think for the shortstops, they're all pretty well like valued. I think generally, like I think oftentimes, you know, you're looking for maybe those players that are mispriced or, you know, where you, you're kind of licking your lips on what, what you see as the ADP versus maybe what the projections are saying, or just what your gut says. I don't really see that. I think all of the shortstop that I am kind of drawn to, I don't see a huge uh, opportunity for, you know, kind of, or perception of value, you know, on the board. And so I think there's some guys going later on that, that are interesting and, and there's maybe a little bit of value that pops there, but you expect that, you know, the later you yeah. get in drafts, um, you know, there's more error bars around the guys, you know, maybe a couple daggers, a couple uh, daggers left or right, a couple daggers. You do not know mm-hmm. um, in today's environment. Uh, it's very hard to tell um, it's like what's happening. Dinosaur poop. It is. It's like <laughs> rain on your wedding day. It's yeah. like, um, it's, oh, just, uh, it's just, ironic. Anyways, I, I, it's just ironic. You're right. <laughs> but there, there's always a little bit of, there's a few pockets of, you know, uh, perceived value there on the board. But I do think that, that generally folks are pretty uh, well, well, well priced here. Yep. Um, and so, you know, generally I think the strategy is more based on the player's, that I, that I like, you know, just thinking about the profiles, some of those middle round profiles, I do like a decent amount. I think there's an opportunity for some later steals coupled with some batting average. I think there's a few profiles like that, which I kind of, kind of dig. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting, um, to see. I don't know if I have like any, anything, uh, overwhelmingly, I don't have a ton of reaction to it only to say that I do like some of those kind of middle ra- middle round to later round kind of batting average steals guys i think that they some of them could pop yeah definitely like there's the, the elite guys are elite there's no doubt about it like they're, we're going to talk about them shortly really really good five category guys there's no hiding that it just and there's like and there's a drop though where it feels like there wasn't a drop before still very good guys like you mentioned it's just it felt like there was always like a casual flow of shortstops in the past now it's like it's there's like a, a wave and then another wave and it just kind of goes that way a little more where it's not that they're 
isn't a lot of them or a lot of really good talented ones, but it's just a different kind of feel to it this year, I guess, compared to years past where, you know, if you miss on this guy, don't worry in a round or two, you got this guy, so on and so forth. Where now it's like, okay, Toby likes his batting average steals guys. Well, you have to make sure to circle those because there's like a few of them here and then it drops off again. So if he misses here and now he's going to force to maybe pump someone up here. It's not like it was in the past where it was like, you know, you had a guy's guy, 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 guy. It's more of a, you had a little more strategically this way I feel looking at shortstop so far, especially with Trevor Story not playing baseball this year. But um, that's a whole other conversation that I'm really depressed about. So we, we won't go there. But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how the position shakes out when we get into the heart of draft season. But early on here, you got your, you got your upper end guys. And then there's a slew of them that come uh, later on. And just real quick before we get into the top 100, you have um, we have you have a twelve of them going in the top one hundred basically. So that'll tell you like there's still a bunch up there. There's no sugarcoating that, but it's just a, a different vibe. And uh, we'll talk about them right now. Let's get into the top ten as we do. We do top ten ADP. We'll go over each of the ten, and then eleven through twenty. We'll pick two each, and then we'll do two long shots each, as usual, for each position at least through the infield. And we'll kick it off with Trey. Trey. Trey Turner. It's not Trey Boo Boo. Different Trey, but Trey Turner. Right here is, uh, is is amazing, and I, I did apologize that um, I, I didn't take him with the second pick in a recent draft. I felt bad. I I, I, I apologize for my sins because I went J Ram or J Ram went first. I could have taken Trey. I took Ronald. Uh, I apologize, but I like Trey. I like him a lot, and there's really not a whole lot I can say to um, make it sound sweeter than it is. He's a stolen base machine. He's got pop. He's a five category guy, and on Philly, he might run even more. So it could be fun. Uh, what's your thoughts on Trey Turner at number one, basically going to take either two or three for the most part? Yeah, I think Trey Turner is fine. Um, I think one of the things, you know, we can, you know, everybody knows who Trey Turner is. Everybody knows what Trey Turner does. I will say one thing I think that I just note is given the landscape that we have where there's kind of more of a premium on home runs now, I feel like Trey kind of gets hurt a little bit by that. I think, Philly is definitely an opportunity for him to increase that a little bit. It's probably the best hitting home park that he's been in, at least for right-handed hitters. Um, so I think I think that is a little bit of a bonus. But, you know, he's maxed out at 28 home runs. You know, he's, you know, 21 last year. And while that isn't like, you know, it's not going to crush anybody's soul, I do think that you need to kind of factor that in. So when you look at J-Ram, versus Trey, you know, I think you have to say like, well, Trey, you know, if he goes something, he's probably going 2030, you know, but I mean, even that, like, you know, yeah, definitely possible, but, um, he's a little bit older, you know, he, maybe he runs more on the Phillies. Maybe he doesn't, but I do think that that hurts a little bit more. So I do think that I'm not really, I'm not really going after him at this spot. I don't think. I'll still support Trey as a top pick. Anybody wants to, but as we've talked about other positions and as I've done drafts and, and done and looked at things and how fast the outfield drops off. So getting the lead outfielder is big um, to get like J Ram number one. That's, that's just my clear number one in Roto. Like people can argue that and that's fine. Uh, it just, it's tough with Turner because there's some other shortstops we're going to talk about here that like Francisco Lindor, who we'll talk about later, you can get in round two potentially or on the two, three turn I've seen happen that's an intriguing option if you don't go Trey. There's other options. I love Trey. I won't tell anybody not to take Trey. But um, you mentioned 20, 25 home runs probably. 
he might steal 30 to 40 bags, depends on what he does. But one thing he will do that we don't talk about enough, he's going to score you 100 runs. He's done that back-to-back years, and that's big. That's, that's a category I think we kind of overlook a lot. And in Philly, they should score a ton of runs again. So I think he's still an elite five-category player, but there's a lot of those up there. And you might not need to force it with shortstop. You might need to get it to fill other positions. That's where it's tough, but uh, I got no problem with Trey if, if you want to go there. Yeah, um, yeah, just just to say, like, you know, the projection, Steamer does not love Trey this year. You know, 283, 21 home run, 23 steals. He actually ranks out as the 18th best player when I plugged Steamer projections Steamer. into um, – into my spreadsheet. Now, I don't. I don't think I agree with that projection necessarily. Right? That'd be well, the, even the lowest. batting average. Is, the batting average is funny. He hasn't hit two eighty three or worse since two thousand eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a medium projection. Yeah. I think it'll probably be on the lower side compared to the other projection systems. So I'll be interested to see what happens when I kind of integrate those those other ones into that into it. Right now, we're or at yeah. least I'm a little bit limited. I know there are other much smarter people who are taking a variety of different projection systems and putting them together. But um, for me, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm probably staying away or just not targeting this area of the draft. If I'm like going after Trey, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll go later on and, and go after a different shortstop. That's kind of where I'm at right now, which really pains me. Really pains me. Like, I think it was different when he was like had multi position. They're like, oh, he's a second baseman right now. Like that's Trey or whatever outfield. He had other options, a little more appealing. And you mentioned projections. I've heard from a birdie the bad X is supposed to be out later this week. So. That means that means ATC Dude, comes out that, next week. That would be sweet. Yeah, yeah that I would heard, be I heard. sweet. I'm like lonely, Bubba. I'm yeah, just like I know. me and me Steamer too. are just kind of hanging out. It's kind of like yeah. at that point where you're like, yeah, yeah. we've you had know. enough of each other. It's time to like you know do some new things. Totally. Yeah, I got it's you. Like, yeah. I, I, that's how I am. I get it. I get it. And because the only reason I know this is, I think some I saw it tweeted, but it, Co- Ariel Cohen said ATC comes out next like Wednesday, Thursday which um, means the bat comes out this week and that's how that mm-hmm. thing works. So you just put the puzzles together, you know, I, I might have to start here. drafting soon. I might have oh, my baby. There we I might go. have my triumvirate of projections available to me. I'd love to hear it. A uh, triumvirate. We're going big words of the day here. Um, we are. Let me just make sure I use that contextually. Okay. I hope he didn't just to make it more fun. <laughs> but uh, Tri- Triumvirate. Is a group of three men holding power. There you go. Technically, you are correct. I would say uh, it's it's from Pretty ancient close. Rome, and yeah. it referenced Julius Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus in 60 BC. Makes sense. As well as a coalition formed by Antony, Lepidus, and Octavian. Interesting. No, no mention of petrified dinosaur, and no mention poop. of Ariel Cohen, Derek Cardi, and Steamer. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well. It's modern times now, Bubba. Yep, There's a new true. triumvirate, new triumvirate available. Gotcha. All right, the second shortstop off the board. We talked about him last week because he's second short, a shortstop third base eligible. That's Bobby Witt Jr. We had a lot of great things to say about Bobby Witt. We talked about how he could take a next step. He could also be this guy is just who he is. Like, there's a lot of. I think we were kind of more on the positive side of things than the negative side of things. Uh, you know, he's got an ADP of around seven. So if you don't take Trey, oh, you won't be able to take either one. You have either the second pick or the seventh pick. But uh, it's kind of the idea. You can wait and take, you know, Bobby Witt in the back of the first round and then have a quick second pick, stuff like that, if you're doing KDS for the most part. So I think we, if you want to recap Bobby Witt, you can, but I'm pretty sure we were both pretty high on what we saw last year. And I think, especially the second half improvements, I think we're going to see a full season of potentially that, which could be pretty darn impressive. Yeah, you know, my perspective on Bobby Witt has trained, changed dramatically since, since last week, actually. I'm really 
I've done a 180 um, on Bobby Witt Jr. since since the last time we talked about it's, him. It's impressive. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. I have nothing to add. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, he's he's a beast and it's gonna be fun. Uh, the third short stuff off the board. This is one like I always go. Well, you can get Bobby Witt or you can get Boba Shett. Boba Shett's third off the board at ADP of 11. I've always been a big Boba Shett guy. Toby and I have kind of gone back and forth on Boba Shett at times. He can't steal. He can't do this. And then he steals and does this. So that that's oh. fun. But it's, I, I was like, I had to get something out of it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, he plays in a great Toronto lineup. We kind of, to me, it's one of those, we know who he is by now. He's going to hit for a good average at 290 or better all four seasons. 24 homers last year, 13 steals. Yes, he did not steal last year. I was waiting to get that out of you. But uh, I think there's more power to come. He had, a, he had a heck of a slump at one point last year. Got a lot better as the season went on. I think we might get closer to that 29 home run guy. Don't know if we'll ever see 25 steals again. I'll be 100% honest with that. I'd be down for 15 to 20. Give me 15 with the th- almost 30 homers. I'm all aboard that train. And that's where it gets kind of fun to you. Want the guy that's done it before in Boba Shett, or do you want the rookie with the, or the second-year player Maybe a higher ceiling than Bobby Witt. So it's a really interesting dilemma or decision. What's your thoughts on Bo Bichette? Yeah, you say Bo Bichette. I say Bo Bichette. Um, <laughs> Bo Bichette, uh, famed bo- uh, bounty hunter of the uh, triumvirate. Um, Bo Bichette, I think, uh, I think he's, I think he's perfectly reasonable as well in this spot. I think you mentioned it. The steals, I think, is the one thing where you think about it a little bit. I will say, you know, he hit 24 home runs last year in 48 barrels. By the way, I was very excited to see your um, fellow podcast host, Ryan mm-hmm. Bloomfield, share the yep. bloom board of the barrels to home runs or home we, runs to barrels. We, sh- that we was... shouted you out last episode. I can't remember who we were talking oh, about. Did you? We were talking about some position player, and I mentioned uh, his home runs per barrel, one of my co-host Toby's favorite stats to look at for an underachiever. And then you know, see, we we this is a oh, co- co- this is a triumvirate potentially. I'll play. Oh, wow! Like just look at hey, big words. I'm uh, learning. Yeah, that was good. That was very good. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I really appreciate. I really like that uh, bloom board a lot. I really like all the bloom boards, honestly. Um, Bloom's awesome. And um, and that is all to say that Bo Bichette. Um, yeah, the steals I think are a little bit of a question mark, but again, you know, maybe we see a little bit of a bump up of those. Although you always have to take him in context, so if like league wide it goes up, then you know you got he's got to he's got to keep pace with that. You know the twenty four home runs on forty eight barrels, so around fifty percent, a little bit under. But at the same time, I do know that Bo Bichette uh, goes to the opposite field and to center a lot, so it could be that he may be disproportionately, you know, impacted there. Um, so just something to think about. But I do agree with you that that that. 30 home run, that 29 home run mark in 2021 is certainly something that's within reason. And then I think when you look at the context and the lineup, you know, you have to feel pretty good. You know, the injury concerns are a little bit in the rearview mirror, you know, in terms of like the quote unquote injury prone label. Um, he's, you know, got, he's got Vlad Guerrero Jr., which, you know, while overrated is a good hitter. Um, he's got George Springer ahead of him. You know, they've got, They've got a pretty solid lineup there, a pretty deep Dalton lineup. Dalton Varsho, come on. I mean, Dalton Varsho, Jesus, <laughs> talk about that. I mean, imagine if that guy had catcher eligibility where oh, you draft man. him. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's all to, all to say. I think, you know, Bobachette, Bo you know, it's he's Bobachette. So, yeah. And so it just depends if you want to call him Bobachette or Bobachette. Um, 
that's really the major difference. And if you want to call him Bo Bichette, you probably draft him. If you want to call him Bo Bichette, then you probably don't. Bo Bichette said I. Um, yeah. There you go. I just a little shout out for you there. Um, fourth shortstop off the board. This gets fun because his ADP keeps climbing now that it looks like he's healthy. And, um, you know, his the Padres went so far in the postseason. His, like, suspension got so reduced, which is crazy. Like, he only misses, like, two and a half, three weeks max now. Like, it, I should have the number, but it's not that much. He'll be back the first month of the season. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr., ADP of 20 right now. We know who Tatis is when healthy. And I was off of him last year because I didn't believe he was healthy. Um, and he somehow wasn't when he got steroids. But uh, when healthy, he is a power speed machine. Hits for average. And it's funny because even the projections, Toby, which I know you'll look at, in the, the fewer games due to suspension, still projecting for better numbers than like Bobachette, Bobby Witt. And so it's like, what do you believe in? Do you believe he's healthy and comes back and dominates again? Or are you concerned? Because if you believe he's healthy – he could still be a value at pick 20, which I know you and I are not really the risk drafters, but it's one of those like in an overall competition, if you can somehow fill that void for a couple of weeks, that's pretty, and he's got the outfit eligibility to top it off. So it's another big thing in a shallow outfield position. So what's your th- thoughts on Tatis? We know who he is, but man, was it all steroids? No, it wasn't. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Fangraphs might be broken. I keep on looking for his 2022 numbers, and I can't find any, Bubba. It's like it's 2021. It's like 2022 didn't happen. Do you know anything about that? It's like uh, the same league Ricky Vaughn was in the California Penal League. That's where the suspended players go. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, no, I mean, you you mentioned it. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr., even – at 524 plate appearances for Steamer is the fifth ranked player. Yeah. So just to give you a sense, like if he comes back and he's healthy, I do not question the talent level at all, really, yeah. or the production level at all. I mean, there is an enormous amount of pressure on him just from like a human perspective, but um, it's a really interesting and honestly appetizing proposal um, uh-huh. to have him going where he's going. I think as we see spring training and things like that, you know, I think we'll see him, him go up a little bit too. I'd be interested in him right here. You know, um, obviously it's a pick that has a lot of risk given what he's been through, but at the same time, I think it's a pick that you just need 500 plate appearances for it to pay off in a, in a, in a pretty considerable way. And so I think that I would be, I think it's an interesting proposal at this moment in time, especially like if you're, you know, if you're in, if you're playing in an overall, if you're in like a DC or something like that. Right. And it's like, you're going to have 10 teams, you know, you got to have at least one or two of them that have Tatis Jr. Cause he's a real, at the top of the draft, he's a real game changer. So it'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned how his draft, uh, you know, where he's going, how that, how that, shifts as we get closer to the season and there's more certainty but i kind of like it where it is right now yeah i i've usually if people have listened to our show long enough we do these preview pods i'm usually out on tatis early in the drafts i'm like always questioning his health whatever blah 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 and um i'm with you i'm kind of intrigued all of a sudden because i feel confident and be able to, like you mentioned some of these late round targets we can look at just grab one for two to three weeks if you have to maybe it pans out maybe it doesn't i love the ability for him to play the outfield uh, and that's what I think makes him even more valuable in a DC to take a chance. You get that shortstop outfit eligibility, and we know how much depth matters in those DCs. That's tremendous, right there. So 
barring the health, which we have to assume he is, you know, he had the big Instagram post yesterday with the, with the silver slugger and all this stuff. The dude looks jacked right now. So maybe hopefully he's not on the steroids still. I'm pretty sure he's on the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the P schedule. Let's put it that way. I'm pretty sure he's getting knocks on the door to, uh, to check on things, but he's a beast. Uh, if he was healthy, obviously that more, the projections would be even crazier, but he'd be a top one or two pick. So, you're getting them at pick 20 for missing two, two and a half weeks. Not too shabby, all things considered. So uh, I, I guarantee you when spring training comes around, because he can participate in spring training, he'll a couple jacks early on. And then he'll be a, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a mid first round pick come March. Like I, I could see that happening. So enjoy that ADP at 20 while you can. He's he's uh, scheduled to come back on April 20th for you guys who are um, <clears throat> into drugs. That's 420, I believe. <laughs> I, love I mean, it. I'm not I'm not saying he's still on the stuff, but it's ironic. It's like certain things in life, the, the way they fall, it's just like, wow, wow. People have a sense of humor. Whoever's in charge of this, it's all I'm gonna say. So you got a sense of humor. I, I appreciate I it. I don't think that I don't think that one's performance enhancing, though. No, no, no. That's why it's ironic that it's illegal for certain sports. Like I'd I'd recommend it to certain people. Calm them down. <laughs> Here you go. But uh, that's a whole other show for a whole other day. Um, the fifth shortstop off the board is Frenchie, Francisco Lindor, ADP of almost 30 right now. So, like I said, you're getting him at that 2-3 turn. Like, sometimes he falls a bit. He's gone as low as uh, 36, as high as 24. So, he's one of those, if you have, like, a mid to end of the, the second round, you have a chance at in Lindor. And that's why the question of do you take one of those early shortstops or do you go with an outfielder and then come back with Lindor? That's what makes that's what I did in my 12-team where I went uh, Acuna second overall, and then I took Lindor at the, the second round pick and i still had what i thought i liked right there and if you look at the projections um looks a lot like bichette minus the batting average let's put it that way um and we saw him last year kind of really bounce back 26 homers 16 steals looked a lot more like the lindor of old after kind of a slow 2021 season his first year in, in new york i think he's gonna keep getting comfortable he's only 29 still super young he's been playing forever it feels like um in that lineup it's very very good and they probably will add someone else and say they can get carlos correa uh, they're not going to sit on their hands with all that money over there at Cohen. Um, I like Lindor. I've, I've bought into him this year. I think if you want to wait but still get one of the elite sec- uh, shortstops, this is a good spot to go. So I'm a fan of this. Yeah, I'm. I I will preface I this not. by <laughs> I, I will preface this by saying I was totally wrong on Lindor last year. You know, yes, so I was I, I was uh, I was super wrong on him. So take that all into heart when I say this, but. You know, just just looking at the projection, this may this is, you know, he's projected. He's ranked right now based on steamer projection, seventy first, and currently going thirtieth. So um, the steamer projection does not love him. I think the key is the batting average, right? It's at two forty nine. Mm-hmm. He was two seventy last year, but it was his highest BABIP since twenty sixteen. Um, and that was, that also did include a, you know, well, when he did have that higher BABIP in 2016, his ground ball rate was closer to 50%. You know, his ground ball rate did tick up last year, but it's one of those weird situations where, you know, that happens, but the power still comes through for him a little bit. And so I, yeah, I just think the batting average falls and if it falls down to where it, has been previously or where the projection is, then I have a, I struggle a little bit with seeing him, you know, bring back that value only because, you know, even last year, I mean, like 26, 16 is great, right? 
Uh, I think those are fantastic. You know, that's fantastic numbers. Um, but I also think that it's not that overwhelming if the batting average isn't there. Um, he's in a good lineup. You know, if he stays healthy, he puts those numbers together. But I just feel like everything is already kind of baked in there. And you're buying, you're buying the peak if you're buying what's right now. You're buying the peak of what he continues to be. And I'm just not sure he's going to be as fortunate um, this year. But we'll see. We'll see. I think you're buying well, – what I like about him is I think you're buying consistency, if that makes sense. Like you know what he's going to be. And I, there, I, there's something about that with my early picks. I want that consistency, unless I'm going like with the Tatis overall approach. But that's probably my problem. I don't finish high in the overalls. I'm more of a cautious drafter. But um, that's that's where I like. I got like Frenchie, and I only have one share so far. It just kind of fell that way. Um, it's an interesting approach, though. I'll say that much. The sixth shortstop off the board, uh, close to pick seventy, a mighty jump from last season's ADP. Is Corey Seager, who played 151 games, the most he's played since 2016, only the third time since 2016 he's played over 130 games. Just want to preface that real quick. 33 home runs, career high for Corey Seager, 91 runs scored, 83 RBIs. I'm just going to name these things because most of them are career highs or close to the first time since 2016. He hit 245, which is very low for him, which is very odd for him, with an insanely low Babbitt, which is not the norm for Corey Seager. So that could change as well. So the power numbers went up, average went down. Played a lot, which was a first for him in a long, long time. Now his ADP is way higher than it was last season. So what's your thoughts on Corey Seager? Because he's very intriguing, but uh, for one, not going to run much at all. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting one. I think he's a guy who previously probably wasn't on the radar. Um, and now because of the value of home runs, you know, he potentially is, I will say that, you know, just based on, again, just his steamer projection, not the triumvirate of projection systems. He is uh negative nine in terms of a rank of 80 and his ADP being, you know, 71. But again, like he's around $17, which is, which is within a dollar of, you know, uh, pick 70 through 90, right? Like at this point in time, there isn't a huge difference necessarily where anybody's really jumping out of the, um, uh, of the pack. I think the major question, I mean, we've, there's been some really good articles, you know, Mike Petriello had one just talking about how the shift change could really benefit Corey Seager. Like he could be the guy who benefits the most from the shift change. Obviously he was very unlucky last year just to begin with. So if you couple, you know, the lack of luck with, you know, also the potential boost in Babbitt from the change in the rules. You know, you could be looking at a, a really plus average guy who was really plus in previous seasons, although it was just about 650 plate appearances. But between 2020 and 2021, you know, he hit 306.5, essentially, uh, 306 and 307 in those two different, different years. And, you know, that's always been kind of a staple of his approach overall, 287 career. So... I think the major question is, do you feel like that 271 batting average that kind of splits the difference between that 306 and that 245, is that what his true batting average is? Or is he going to hit closer to his career average of 287? You know, if he does that, then I think he's more than worth it. If he doesn't, then, you know, then he's probably not worth it. 
Yeah. But overall, it's a profile I think that's given, been given a little bit of a boost because of the offensive environment and that more of an emphasis on home runs and maybe decreasing emphasis on stolen bases. Yeah, a lot of good content out there on the the the, uh, the shift. And Seager is the cover cover boy for Petriello. I know Curlin's talked about him. Jorge Montanez, there's a bunch of stuff out there of guys talking about him. So if you want to go that route, I get it. I still like Seager. I like him more than in the past. But the other thing that – like everyone's talking about the shift and he can improve this and that. The dude finally played games. And we're going to buy in that he's going to keep playing games again. Like it's one of those things – like you got to hope he's healthy and stays healthy. But I don't know. I feel like I need to see it a little more than one season all of a sudden. Maybe it's just me. You're not paying a premium at least, which is nice. But uh, it's like there's some guys behind him I think I'd rather gamble on than Corey Seager. It's um, – it's a tough one because I like I like what he does. I believe in the talent that it is. It's always been a playing time thing with me. Always been a playing time thing. So that's where I'm kind of torn on Corey Seager. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The seventh shortstop off the board is O'Neill Cruz at pick 80. And now this is fun. Like, you don't talk Tatis ceiling, going for the ceiling. I'm not saying they're the same player, but similar idea. Uh, hit 233 with 17 numbers, 10 jacks in the bigs last year, combined for 26 and 21 between AAA and the bigs. Um, big swing and miss guy, big strikeout guy. We know that. Uh, projections have him only striking out 27% next year. But if you look at the rest of his projections, Sobe, they are a lot like one Francisco Lindor, but maybe slightly better if you want to wait. So if you're playing the projections game, he looks a lot like that. That also believes that he's going to hit close to 250, which I don't see happening yet, but there's no denying the power and the speed. There's zero denying that. Like that guy's a freak of nature in that regard. So how are you looking at it on Neil Cruz? Because there's like a lot, a lot, a lot of good, but definitely some concerns as well. Ain't no party like a projection party. Bubba, because the projection party don't stop. No, no, I love to play the projection game. Honestly, um, I love I love O'Neill Cruz. I think O'Neill Cruz is maybe like a little bit of an example of how I'm trying to change a little bit uh, in the way that I think about players. Because you know, O'Neill Cruz, they're going to give him. He's he's kind of the franchise guy at this point, right? They want to build the franchise around him. Like even Brian Reynolds, I mean, Brian Reynolds is great, but he's like 27, you know, although how old is O'Neill Cruz? Is he like 25 or is he like 23? I got him right 24. He's 24. He's yeah. 24. So he's young. He's exciting. He's fun. He hits the ball incredibly hard. He runs fast. He does all of these amazing things. And if you say, you know, O'Neill Cruz, 
the Pirates are going to play him. They're going to let him either sink or swim, you know, in the big leagues. Then you have to say, like, the dude's going to hit a bunch of home runs. The dude's going to steal a lot of bases. And I think the real question mark is what you pointed out, which is, you know, his career strikeout rate so far in 370 plate appearances is 35%. Steamer has him at 27% for the K rate. And I'm kind I'm kind of on board with Steamer. I mean, when you look at the overall profile, you know, 32.3% O swing. So his O swing is pretty good. Like for a young guy, especially a, a big, tall guy, right? Like he his plate discipline is fine. Like it's not going to crush him. And it's not that important in five by five. The contact rate at 66%. I mean, it's it's not great. But we've seen plenty of very good hitters who who have a similar kind of batting profile. You want to know who I'm thinking about right now? Thinking about sure. Bryce Harper. That's not a bad. One. I hope I, I hope I don't look like a buffoon here. But Bryce Harper's contact rate. Just give Fangraphs a second to load here. Okay, like sixty eight. 0.3%, 69.5%. It's increased since then. So he's a little bit below that, but it's all to say that like guys who hit the ball really hard, who generally have decently high BABIPs, which he should have just based on like That's his ball bad. hitting ability. Like I, I think that his batting average will not be as much of a concern as it is. And I also think that the projection may be a little low. 589 plate appearances, 27 home runs, 18 steals. For me, it feels like here's a young guy who came up, was relatively successful. He gets the steals. He gets the power. Batting average is the one question mark, really. I mean, the counting stats, he's not on a very good team, but if he puts together the home runs that we anticipate, steals the bases, all of those things, I think that stuff will come. It feels like a profile that has a pretty high floor famous last words and a pretty darn high ceiling right if he if if he ends up on the positive side of that batting average right if he ends up as a 250 plus hitter you know with 30 home runs and 20 steals that is you know that's pretty that's a pretty that's a pretty special line so i like him a lot you know the projections like him a lot uh, i think it's a really interesting profile where there seems like a lot of ways he can be successful and contribute to your fantasy team. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the, the contact skills, the O swing, and all that. You look at his uh, swinging strike the last two years; it went from like twenty-two ish to thirteen and a half, like fourteen percent. That's a nice improvement, just from one year to the next. His uh, he still gets a lot of called strikes, so maybe a little uh, more aggressive. I don't know. You don't know if you want to be more aggressive. So that's a tough one. But the fact the swinging strike dropped, the contact rate went up. Like you said, there could be a lot more growth still to come with him. So it, it's interesting. Like I said, he's got that ceiling where he could be a Tatis type dude. I'm not saying he's going to be. I don't know if he'll ever have that average ever, but he could probably hit 260, like 270, even if he really starts getting that bad bit up and the power and speed will follow in a heartbeat. So he is interesting. Downside, who's he driving in in Pittsburgh? Who's going to be on base? That's a tough one. But uh, but overall, talent is very, very good with O'Neill Cruz. So he's a fun one. He's a very fun one. I know there's uh, Ryan and Ansfio and some others that are like in love with him. So if you're in drafts with those guys, be prepared to go early if you want. Who, to, but, who uh, loves him? Ryan Venancio. Okay. Yeah. So keep that in mind. 
I just wanted, I was checking to see if maybe it was somebody I happened to draft coming up. So uh, I was like, oh, man. Uh, Ryan Venancio loves him. So keep that one in mind. Uh, eighth uh, shortstop off the board has second base shortstop eligibility. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Uh, Tommy Tanks, Tommy Edmond, pick 81, almost 82. You either love Tommy or you hate Tommy. It'll start fights on Twitter if you're not the Tommy guy. It's been very, very unfortunate. But, um, yeah, we know who Tommy is the last two years. The only thing I'll say, because I know, Toby, you are in the, I believe, in the camp of pro-Tommy Edmond because most of your your quad, quadrumvirate or whatever they want to call four-pack of uh, the, the brains that you guys have in there are all Tommy Edmond fans. Um, the only question I have is, is there a concern that late last season, especially in the postseason, um, Carlson would lead off and Edmund hit the bottom of the order? Is that a concern at all? Um, I mean, when we talked about Edmund earlier, I was like, not that into him. The projections really like him a lot. It's pretty uh, much what he's done the last two years. Like he's been yeah, the same dude two years in a row and the projections yeah, are pretty darn close. 20, yeah. 58th, 82 ADP. Or at least on my on my spreadsheet. Um, I mean, not not really. I mean, I don't think necessarily Dylan Carlson is the is the huge. No, fear. it's not Carlson. It's Newt. Yeah, Newt, it could Newt be. It could, it could definitely be Newt. But I think that happened last year. You That's know? what I'm saying. It, That's it, what I'm saying. It, last year, towards the end of the season and the postseason, Newt was leading off, and Edmund moved down. So that, yeah, that, yeah. I guess, I guess what away. I'm I guess what I'm saying is is that, I mean, that would not be ideal. Don't get me wrong, but Tommy hit ninth sometimes last year too. Um, and he ended up contributing what he contributed. Let's see. Let me see where batting order. From about uh, July 9th on July 29th on, it was almost like, it feels like just looking at blind eye about 50% nine, 50% first or second. That's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, he had 400 plate appearances batting first, Tommy did. And he had um, 112 batting nine. So primarily hitting first or towards the top of the lineup. You know, I but think he take, is... That's taking away, like, how many at-bats, though? That's what I'm asking. If it's a full season now. Yeah, but if he gets to 600 plate appearances, I mean, he's good. But right? if he's batting ninth the full season, he won't. I mean, if he plays every day and he plays a hundred and however many plate appearances, he will get close to 600 okay. plate appearances. And I also think like he's much, he's, I think, especially if steals are, if he can steal the way that he potentially could with the new rules, I think mm -hmm. that him, despite not being the greatest OBP guy is a guy that you would want to have on base to start the game. So I, I guess it's kind of just a question of, and he'll probably hit first against all, against all lefties is one thing you have to factor in because he, he crushes. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine taking him at this point in time. Um, will I prioritize him? I'm not, I don't think so. Probably not, but I could. And I also think that like, he's one of these guys where, you know, 11 home runs on 24 barrels two years ago, 13 home runs on 29 barrels a couple years ago. He's got a really nice max EV. He's got the possibility of, of with the right luck it's got to, pull the ball to get more. to close to 20 home runs. Yeah. So I think yeah. he could be really good, but 
We'll see. He did improve, all, improve his, yeah. improved his, improved his home run to fly ball last year a little bit, so maybe there's some hope of the power. But yeah. he just doesn't pull the, just doesn't pull he, the ball he enough. He increased his barrel rate last year, 6.2%. I bet it's barely, higher than Dylan Carlson's barrel rate. He, he hits it up the middle as much as he pulls the ball. That's his problem. So he's got to adjust that, which I don't think he cares about doing. That's the thing. He's a get-on-base steal bags. And he had a higher I, I was, barrel percentage than than – Dylan Carlson and a higher max EV. I'm not worried about Dylan Carlson. I'm talking about Newt Bar. I don't care about. Dylan I mean, Carlson. yeah, but I'll have Newt Bar on my team already, <laughs> so it work itself out all right. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because it seems like everybody either loves Edmund or doesn't. I'm like, it's not as simple as it sounds. That's why I just want to throw it out there. There is a potential wrench. That's all I wanted to put out there. Potentially, obviously, a lot can change. We said the same thing last year, and he let off for the first like three months of the season. So anything can change, but with Newt involved, it becomes interesting. Now, perfect world. You have Newt and Edmund go one, two, everyone's happy, but that's just wasn't what they were doing in the most important games of the season last year. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I guess uh, spring training, maybe a telltale sign. See how that goes, but uh, they also lost. Yeah. So maybe they need to reevaluate things. Definitely sure. something to think about. So um, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's just an interesting conundrum, but yeah, the profile's great. We know who he is. He's done it two years in a row, almost the same stat line. So uh, he's pretty pretty darn good. The ninth shortstop off the board, the new Chicago Cub, Mr. Dansby Swanson, who I've been a huge fan of forever. Problem is, his ADP was never 83. It was always much later. This is where I told you, like, the depth feels a little different this year because Swanson's a guy told me we could wait on for, like, a couple years in a row. Like, hey, he's, like, the 12th to 15th shortstop off the board. Sweet. Perfect. Sounds good. Now you got to at least pay a little bit for him. We know who he is. I don't know how he's going to be in Chicago. It's a different, different environment, different team, the whole shebang. But he's a 20 plus home run guy, steals some bags. Average, usually pretty good. He's had some down seasons. The steamer does not like him in Chicago. But um, I think he's very formidable. I have no problem with Danzy Swanson. I'm just curious about the surroundings in Chicago. But I think he's still a very quality pick this late if you want, still one of the quote unquote kind of upper echelon shortstops. Yeah, I probably wouldn't get him where he's going right now. I, I don't have him anywhere I, yet. I, don't, I love, I don't, I love Dan's. I don't necessarily see the separation. I mean, I think I think he's now been consistently pretty good. I think last year was probably the pinnacle. I mean, when you look at it, uh, you know, 18 steals, which, you know, previous career high was 10, um, hadn't gone double digits, you know, or at least in the, pre- the previous long season, he had nine. Uh, had the highest BABIP of his career, you know, at 348. Well, I guess he did have three 350 for half a season and 383 for a quarter of the season. So, but his career is 313. So something was going going lucky there. And I think that boosts both the batting average. I think it also boosts, you know, the OBP a little bit, gives him those opportunities to steal. So I think, again, it's a situation where you're kind of paying for what he did last year. I don't think he separates himself in any meaningful way from a lot of the guys going later on. So I wouldn't target him. But, you know. Yeah, I have him. I don't have any shares of Damsey right now. Cause like I said before, I like him much later in drafts. But I see the appeal if he wants. Like he's going to be – one thing that we always did question marks with Damsey is would he hit at the top of the order in Atlanta? It was when Albies was in the way. It really hit hurt him, but once he was up top, it was great. Albies was out all last year, career season for Swanson. Well, he's going to hit right in the middle, if not top of that Cubs order. There's no reason they won't 
So that's a plus. That, that's a plus if you want to look at it that direction. Get a handful of games in Great American Small Park, not as many as you used to, but that'll help as well. Um, I like them. I think there could be some good stuff there, but like, I'm with you. I'm not forcing it like I was in the past. I used to like literally circle, okay, I want Dansby at this point in the draft. Not so much this year, but I have no problem if you want to take him and still get kind of one of the top top guys that you know you're going to get 20-plus, maybe 15 steals, and, and go that direction. I have, I have no problem with that. The 10th shortstop off the board is a guy I just can never get behind. At least he's cheaper this year. He used to be very expensive. Is Xander Bogarts. Oh, he jumped. He got jumped. But uh, we'll leave it the way the outline was written last night. Um, Xander Bogarts, he's now the 11th shortstop off the board. But the 10th, as of last night, ADP of 93, the new San Diego Padre. Um, the thing with Xander, and this is where I get really picky because – Again, you shouldn't think of it this way. You should think of your team as a whole statistically. But when I think of shortstop and middle infield, I want speed to go with what I got. And his power also is kind of not like it's, it's a 20-ish guy with only 15 homers last year, but he doesn't steal a ton of bags anymore. And you're basically paying for an average and okay power, like decent power. I don't know if that's what I want to pay for with Xander where I can maybe do that some other place is the way I look at it. That's my conundrum. Great real-life player. To me, not the best fantasy player, but at least you're not paying a second or third round price like you used to in the past. So what's your thoughts on Xander? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think there's some limitations in the profile. The one thing I'll say, you know, the steamer projection has him ranked 121st um, ADP of 91. But I will say the steamer projection, you know, any guy who consistently has elite BABIP numbers will will be missed a little bit by some of the projections. So they, the projections have him as a, as a 306 BABIP in that projection to give him a 266 batting average, but his career is 336. You know, he's never had a 306, a BABIP that low. So I would say, I think that's kind of undercounting the batting average. And when you factor that in, he's probably going about where he should, you know, um, you know, new guy, you know, new kind of environment is a little bit of a question mark. He did have a really high ground ball rate last year. Last time he had a 46% ground ball rate. The following year, he had a 40% ground ball rate and he hit 23 home runs. So I think the steamer projection of around 19 seems reasonable. San Diego's sucks if you're a left-handed power hitter, but it's not too bad um, if you're a right-handed power hitter. So I think you're getting good batting average. You know, you're getting kind of middling home run totals, but you can, you can have that on your team, you know, in today's environment. And then the steals, like you mentioned, they're not fantastic, but you know, they're not, he's, it's not a zero and then he's going to be in a pretty good lineup. So the runs in RBI, I think should be pretty strong. You know, if it weren't for some of the guys going later on, I think I would, I would be more likely more inclined to um, go after Xander, but I think I probably won't. Yeah, like in the past, I literally would not even look to draft him. Like I said, his ADP wasn't even an option for me. You made arguments that make him at least like on the radar now, which is cool because of where he's getting drafted at. But yeah, there's a few guys coming up here that we'll talk about. I'm like, I'd rather take a little bit of a bad average hit potentially, but get the other stats, the counting stats that I'm looking for. And where Xander's going, get another pitcher or get another outfielder or something like that regard. Like it's all team context for me. That could be totally wrong. Uh, the other thing is you mentioned, and it's, they see it more times than not. It's not the end-all, be-all. There's no exact science for this. But first time, first season, big deal, big contract, new park. Like, there's a lot of things we've seen that kind of scuffle a bit. And I'm not saying Xander's going to, but just if you have to, like, literally grasp at straws, here we are. So uh, trying to figure that out. 
All right, ADP 11 through 20. We'll take two each. Uh, Wander Franco, Tim Anderson, Willie Adamas, Jeremy Pena, Carlos Correa, Ahmed Rosario, Nikki, or Nico Horner, Javier Baez, Thyro Estrada, Jorge Mateo. And I made this list last night, and the ADP is from December 9th on. There's only 15 drafts done. There's 17 drafts now. And in those last two drafts, it made Wander Franco jump Xander Bogart. So technically Ooh. he's 10th. He's technically 10th on ADP, but we're following the outline that I put together. So he's 11th, and Toby, that's one of the guys you wanted to talk about, Mr. Wander Franco. Yeah, you know, I'm not – the one challenge with Wander is what you just mentioned. Like, he's hop, he's moving up, so the ADP is not as, as low, right? In my spreadsheet, one of the reasons why I want to go after him is because he has the highest differential between – or why I wanted to highlight him. He had the, one of the highest differentials between his ranking, you know, which was 72, and his ADP – at the time I did this spreadsheet, which was 94. So I don't know what it, what's it at right now. Like 90 probably 90, or something. 92. 92. So it's like within the realm. It's like 20 points. I mean, I think the thing with Wander, and, and just to let you know, that is a 286 batting average with 16 homers, 10 steals, you know, 87, 75. Um, and I think those are all very doable things for Wander. I mean, his career average in 652 plate appearances is 282. You know, only 13 home runs. He's got the 10 steals, but he had eight of those 10 last year. You kind of have the, you know, so he's still young, so he's not losing his legs. He's still just 21, which is, which is kind of it's crazy, mind blowing. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think the thing is, I think there's just potential. Like you can really see where he takes a jump, you know, the batting average, right? He's got a 282 career average. It comes with a kind of, decent 300 Babbitt, but you could see a guy like a line drive oriented guy, you know, ha- who hits a decent amount of ground ball still like having a, a higher batting average than that. So you can kind of understand why steamers at 286. He only struck out 9.6% of the time last year, 10.7% of the time over his career, you know, 7.7 um, walk rate, you know, so his eye is, is fine. It's not great, but the contact rates are, are super elite. So he's not striking out a lot. You know, if he can run that BABIP up a little bit, you're going to see a guy with an incredibly high batting average. And then I think you see the potential with the homers. Like the barrel rate isn't great at 4.6. He had 13 barrels. So maybe a little bit unlucky, you know, with that home run total only getting six. Maybe he could have gotten, you know, seven or eight, um, which is a little bit of a, of a different story. But, you know, the max EV is at 12, 112.4. So it's not an issue necessarily of the power. And he's just, he's an incredibly elite hitter, you know? And so an incredibly elite hitter that has a max EV that he does, right? Who can hit the ball very hard as he adjusts to big league pitching. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if the guy is able to elevate the ball a little bit more, you know, is able to control the bat head a little bit more, pull the ball a little bit more and is able to see that home run total go up a little bit more than we expected. So I think that that's very possible. And at the same time, even that quote-unquote floor of 286, 16 home runs and 10 steals, that's still giving you a guy who right now, according to that projection, is mispriced at ADP of 92 by about 20 picks. So I think there's a pretty solid floor as long as he doesn't get injured again, which... You know, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's he's injury prone, um, and or like that whole designation is just kind yeah. of we should just give it up, right? Um, but um, 
yeah. So I just think that, um, I just think that there's a really nice floor here that contributes in a very scarce category. And I think there's a very high ceiling that we could see as well. Yeah. You nailed a lot of things that are intriguing to me. Like I was hundred percent out last year cause he was going like around pick 40, 45. Like I, I, I didn't believe in the power and it's still not there, but the things you mentioned he's done for the second straight year, the barrel rate still is not great, but that's a lot because of the ground balls. Like you mentioned, that's just common the way barrels work. But he increased the max EV, as you mentioned, up to 112, which is tremendous. A guy that can hit it that hard with the contact skills that he has, power will come eventually or can come eventually. Let's put it that way. So that's a big thing, like you said. Dude strikes out less than 10% of the time last year. That's ridiculous for a 21-year-old. That's, that's insane plate discipline and contact skills again. Um, you mentioned the bag and average assets. This is why like, I'd rather gamble on Wander Franco than take Xander Bogarts. And I think that's why he is – jumped bogarts in the adp it makes sense like if you just look at it the potential ceiling if just literally elevate the ball five percent more often and he might become a 15 to 20 home run guy like I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating but you know what i mean just like just a little bit we don't like break the scale we don't go vladito and make toby look bad but we just need to do a little like just a little bit with those contact skills and that hard hit ability all of a sudden you'll see his barrel rate go up you'll see all these things just trigger up and then you know next year he's a top you know second round pick again but He's one of those that you can definitely see a, a a path to a ceiling where other guys like we're sitting there kind of like, oh, he could do this. Like you could legit see Wander's literally a tweak away and he's 21 freaking years old. Like that's the crazy part. A lot of the guys were saying like you can see this. They're probably late 20s into their maybe early 30s by now. Like we haven't seen it yet. Why are we going to see it now? But uh, Wander, it's, if it's, it's almost like if it's not going to happen this year, I definitely want him next year. Because it's like it's it's coming real soon, so I'm 100 with everything you said there. I just had to add on to that. Like, I, I I'm for once looking at him. I'm scared though. The thing you opened up with, his ADP is already climbing. Like, where's it going to go to where now I'm not going to want to draft Wander Franco? That's the downside. That's where it gets very interesting. All right, for me, I'm going to start with a guy that I talk about every single season, and that's Willie Adamas, uh, ADP of 103, the 13 source off the board. I've pretty much talked about him or written about him every season since he started with the Rays in 2018. Because if you look at his profile, that was age 22. He's 27 entering this season. His power, his averages, his counting stats, just everything you want to see keeps improving. 31 home runs last year, eight steals, both career highs. But he only had 238 with a 276 BABIP, both the lowest of his career. He's usually a 250, 260-ish hitter. BABIP's usually 320 or higher. So that drop in BABIP was pretty tremendous, which I'm not a – a believer on happening back-to-back seasons with him because he increased his barrel rate to the best of his career. Still great max EV. Hard hit rates were great. Uh, just so many things that I like. just love about Willie Adamas. His home run to fly ball has always been phenomenal. Um, his contact skills, you know, they're usually pretty good. A guy, he does strike out 27% of the time, so that's going to happen. But even last year was a 74% contact rate after back-to-back 69 and 63%. It's like he, his skill set for the where his batting average was, wasn't the it was it was odd to me and that that's the way i'll put it it was odd it was the highest o swing of his career so he was chasing he probably wasn't barreling the ball up as well as he should have been on those and you know dribbling it that's why the the bad it was down and everything but he's one of those guys that I, I could foresee a 260-ish coming back with the power with a little bit of speed in that ballpark i'm a big fan i don't believe steamer's 243 projection i think they're still kind of bullish on his babbit but that's me I'm an Adamus kind of believer. I have Adamus in a lot of leagues. He's a guy, if I don't take an early shortstop, I kind of have him circled if I can because it's power. D- okay, not great speed. He's got Vladito speed. Let's put it that way. 
but uh, he, he's got a profile that'll work at pick 113 that I can like comfortably put in my lineup, not worry about. He plays pretty much every day on a pretty good team, I think, in Milwaukee. So Willie's a guy I liked. I think he kind of actually underachieved a bit last year, even though he hit 31 home runs, at least in batting average, he underachieved, which could have made a whole other season. So only concern is maybe he sold out for power. I don't think so because he's kind of been this guy's whole career, like I said. So I, I think Willie's bouncing back, at least in the batting average part next year. And I got him circled quite a bit. Who's your next guy? Um, my next guy is Tyro Estrada, which I kind of stole from Bubba. Um, so I just want to, I want to apologize for that. I chose him because I can't, I, I look back at the tweets and I couldn't find them, but last year, I think towards the beginning of the season, we were saying somebody was like, what about Tyro Estrada? Like, do you think he could become something? And both of us were like, I just looked at the numbers and there's no way he could be remotely good. And guess I what? Stay with the team. I thought he'd be back in the minor leagues. I know. I get what, guess what? He was remotely good. So whoever that was, Please feel free to, you know, tweet at us and uh, sincerest apologies for your um, your prescience in under in seeing that Tyro Estrada was going to uh, to be able to to bust out like he did. But you know, he's got access to playing time this year. You know, he's kind of penciled in at second base. I don't think there's a ton of competition there for him. He can move around. Um, he can, um, yeah. He's, you know. If you look at the projection, 258, 17, 17, going where he's going in drafts, I have him as a 49 pick, quote unquote, perceived value, ADP of 175, a rank yeah. of 126 with that 17, 17. You don't really have a ton of concerns about the batting average. You know, he's 255 for his career, but that includes some time when he really struggled to make contact over his last. 600, 700 plate appearances, you know, his bat, his batting average or his K rate is at 17%, well below league average. You know, the contact rate, um, is really nice at overall at 82.7 and 81.3 the last two years. You know, the one area where there's a little bit of a question mark is that power. He hit 14 home runs on only 18 barrels. You know, I think a lot of those home runs were of the pulled variety, you know, kind of pulled down the line, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think there's a question mark a little bit about that. But, you know, even if you drop that home run total a little bit, I think there is room in the batting average to improve. 286 career BABIP, he was at 290 last year. You know, if he ends up on maybe the luckier side of that. Um, you know, that's a possibility. He also has a pretty high ground ball rate, 51.2% for his career, 50.5% last year. You know, if he makes a little bit of ground, uh, on that, you could see the home run total, um, bump up a little bit. But I think if, if, if you draft a guy here and he finishes at 260, 15, 15, you know, you gotta be really pleased with, um, what you've been able to, um, do. And then I think, yeah, and he's already got second base and shortstop eligibility. So, I think in in a lot of ways he's probably you're probably plugging him in at second base, but he's yep. he gives you that position that positional flexibility. Yeah, I love Thyro. I'm a big big fan, not just a Giants fan. Just gonna play every day at the top of the order. So enjoy. Like what we saw last year, wouldn't be shocked if it's kind of close to that. So enjoy. Uh, the guy I will talk about is uh, Jeremy Pena. Awesome postseason for those who didn't know who he was. AL Rookie of the Year. Um, 22 homers, 11 steals, 253 average. Hit towards the top of that order most of the season, especially the end last season. We saw that quite a bit. And it's just – it seems like the real deal. We saw a little bit of power and speed in the minors, but it really blossomed last season. He's kind of a talked-about prospect even going into draft season last year. And then 
found out he was going to get the job because they didn't bring Correa back, and he just ran with it. And it was it was pretty cool to see. Um, we saw seventeen point three percent home run to fly ball, which was outstanding for a, a rookie guy who didn't have a ton of power. He said he had some power in the minors, not a ton, but um, you know the contact skills were good, not great. Seventy one percent zone contact was phenomenal, though. That's one thing he took he took big time advantage of. I, I like what we saw with him. Good barrel rate, uh, good max EV. Uh, he did have 36 barrels and 22 home runs. So if Toby does the quick math, like it's not, it's a little overachieving, but not. A, it's pretty close. It's pretty close to being, to being good. I think it's who he is, and he enjoys the Crawford boxes. Like he enjoys it's the Altuve approach, the Bregman approach. I don't see that changing in that lineup. If he still hits second right behind Altuve in front of Al, in front of Bregman and Jordan and all those guys, I don't see it changing. Abreu. I think he's still a very solid player. I, I, he's going right behind Willie Adamas. It's one of those, if I don't get Adamas, I kind of have pain your circle just because I'll get like 10-plus steals potentially with him. So I, I like what we get. I think what we saw last year, given it kind of broke out from what we saw in the minors a bit because, like I said, the power wasn't that big in the minors. But I think this is still kind of the profile we're getting now because he basically went from single A to triple A. He didn't, didn't play in 2020, 21, triple A, 2022 in the bigs. Like he – Something changed for him. He developed in a big, big way because 2020, there was no minor league season because of COVID. So he he made some changes, it looks like, and it paid off in a big way. So I'm a Jeremy Pena believer. All right. Past uh, third base 20, Toby. We wrote two each. Who's your first one? Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit. Uh, well, I, it's probably actually not against the um, projection. Um, I'm going to go with Bryson Stott. Um, I have him right now as, um, play ranked 336 and ADP of 220. So he's a negative 116 player, but I think the playing time projection is off. So I don't think it's necessarily a skill thing. He's projected for 450 plate appearances, but he doesn't really have competition, you know, for that second base gig, at least that comes to mind. Um, you know, with Gene Segura gone, you know, uh, Trey rolling in there at shortstop. Um, you know, if you change that to a 600 plate appearance projection, all of a sudden it's 252, 16, and 12. And I think that boosts him up pretty far up that uh, projection ladder right there. But the overall reason why I like Stott a lot, Stott a lot is just the underlying um, skills and kind of room for growth. So, you know, He's got good plate discipline, 31.3%, super elite contact rate at 85.1%. You know, the barrel rate isn't fantastic at 4.4%, but he did have 15 barrels for those 10 home runs. You know, he's playing in um, in Philly as well. And there were moments in time last year where I really felt like he was able to put it together um, in the sense that, like, he was able to get that low O swing with the high contact rate. Um, and so for me, that was, um, that was something that was kind of interesting. And I feel like he was kind of settling in. He's now had the playoffs. He'll come in with a little bit more confidence. He'll come in with a little bit more knowledge of, um, you know, knowledge of himself and the league, and there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him. He's going to continue to hit towards the kind of bottom of the bottom of the lineup, which isn't great for fantasy purposes, but I think just for, for him, like I just feel like he's going to get 600 plate appearances, and if he does that, and if he hits his projections, then you're looking at a guy who is um, is going to be worth a good a good chunk of change. Um, like I could definitely see him putting up a Tyro Estrada 
type line, um, which would which would be you know, and and even if he doesn't hit the batting average, you know, I think you're looking at a guy who's probably one sixty one seventieth, um, and then you're and so you're breaking in a little bit of improvement, but I do think this the ceiling is pretty good there too. No doubt about it. I'm gonna go with Luis Garcia of the Washington Nationals, ADP at three twenty. Um, last year between AAA and the bigs, 15 homers, six steals year before 19 and one. So the power is definitely a thing. This, the speed, he had a lot of speed early in the minors. So I believe you, you can get, you know, five, 10 steals even with Luis Garcia and uh, he hits for average all throughout his career. Minor leagues, big league, even 275 last year. Uh, the bad up is 337. People might think that's high. That's what he's had pretty much throughout all stops in the minors. It's high, but like, that's what he's, that's who he is. That's how he's been. The things I love to see with Luis Garcia, besides the fact he's going to be 23 years old, there was a prospect pedigree there. We were pretty hyped on him a couple of years ago and then off and on last year. But what I love to see is Max EV of 113.4 last year, up from 109.6, 111.11 the previous two. Barrel rate up to 7.5%. Our hit rate uh, rose to 36.7. So that rose every single season, just like his barrel rate, just like his Max EV. Um, lot to like in that regard. So the improvements at the plate, it's got a Willie Adamas feel to me. I don't think he's going to like hit 30 home runs like Willie Adamas, but those are the kind of things I started seeing with Willie Adamas, like slow increases in each thing each year, slowly increasing, slowly increasing. Uh, 51% ground ball rate is not ideal, obviously, but um, that still has room for improvement. He only had, um, the home run to fly ball is one of the lowest he's had since 2019. So that could be something that could change a little bit for him as well because the fly ball rates are pretty much the same. Um I'm a fan at pick 320 of a potential, I wouldn't say like, you know, breakouts. We kind of seen him for a while, but I think a guy taking the next step, a 23 year old kid taking the next step. Um, his O swing's not crazy. It's not ideal, 44%, but it's not crazy because his contact rates overall are pretty strong. Um, I like, I like Luis Garcia. I think there's a bad average asset there with more power than he's showcased yet and maybe a bit more speed as well that we saw in the minors he hasn't had either. And the biggest thing, no one's going to take his job right now unless for some stupid reason they platoon him, which they have on roster resource, but I just don't know why they would because they didn't platoon him last year. Like, why would they do it now of all places? Um, I'm a big fan. Big fan of what we see there. The improvements in the con- uh, quality of contact is a, a big plus for that. And, uh, yeah, pick 320. I, I just wrote him up as a late-round uh, second-base target. So, I think in the DCs, I think he's a very strong option for you there. Who's your second one? Same team, actually. Same team. Teammate. I like this Um, this guy, too. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, C.J. Abrams. Uh, Right now, you know, projected line is 11 home runs, 17 steals. Comes in at 171st in rankings. ADP right now is in the the 220s. Um, I think the major question for Abrams will be the home run power. You know, if he can get to double digits, I think that will will be great. You know, currently, you know, likely to be penciled in in that that number two spot. Maybe, maybe Luis Garcia is there. Maybe he's, you know, that team so bad that he, he'll be in the third or fourth spot. Um, but um, I think Abrams should steal. You know, I think the Nationals don't have a reason. They want to see what they have in this guy. He only hit two home runs, but he had a two point seven percent home run to fly ball. He did only have five barrels, 2.1% barrel rate. So that's low. The max EV is, is okay though at 109.6. So I'm not really worried about him being like a super soft hitting guy. I feel like there's a little bit more power in that bat. And that's what the projection seeing, you know, kept the K rate, uh, pretty low, um, last year, but I think most importantly, you know, he should play every day at shortstop for the Nats, you know, hit pretty high up in that lineup. 
um, generate a ton of plate appearances with a pretty good batting average. And so you're just hoping that through that, he can accumulate some home runs to add to the steals, which I think, you know, he's already done a decent job of stealing. He was on a pace for 14 over 600 plate appearance last year. I think that only goes up. So I think you could definitely see like a 10, 20 guy with a batting average that's on the plus side. So uh, going where he's going right now, I, I like that. Yep. Big fan of everything you said there. I think a full run for him finally in a comfortable place, I think is a good thing for a prospect like that. Uh, I'll mention Elvis Andrus here, ADP of 363. I'm not expecting 17 home runs and 18 steals like we saw last year, but that's because he got the playing time, which he's gotten the last few years. When he gets playing time, he runs. That's one thing he does, like even 12 steals in 2021 um, outside of a bad 2018 where he only played 97 games. He usually plays 140 plus games and he steals 20 plus bases almost every season. He's going to be 34. Not going to say that, but like, is 15 crazy if he plays every day? Because there's a team that needs a shortstop all of a sudden, Toby, and they reside in the Northeast. And this seems like the perfect cheap acquisition for a one year rental until Trevor Story is ready to play shortstop again. So, Elvis Andrus, come on down. Um, he's a guy that's going to um, hit for, you know, 250, 260 average. He's probably going to hit you 10 ish home runs. But maybe he gets you 15-plus steals, uh, scores runs. He's dirt cheap in 15-team leagues. He's even got – they'll make him almost middle infield viable if that's the possibility you get. Um, in DCs, I think he's a great – like, I drafted him everywhere in DCs last year. He's like pick 500, and it pay, I get paid off. I'm not saying – I did not expect what happened in Chicago. I'm not crazy. I thought he'd be in Oakland all year. But if he gets regular playing time, he'll accumulate. That's just what he does. It won't be lights-out stuff, but it'll be awesome for his ADP. So I'm not going to go crazy. He's 34. We know who Elvis Andrus is. I just like him even more now because I wouldn't be shocked if Boston made a quick phone call recently. Like, it makes too much sense. Too much sense. But we'll see how it goes. I think Andrus will find a job somewhere. And even if he, he might even go back to Chicago because they could still use some help um, at, like, second base. So I think it's an interesting spot for sure. All right. We've got a couple of listener questions before we head on out of here on a Tuesday night. Let me get them open here. We'll start with an easy one. Mike Carter, the doc, says, uh, Javi Baez, that's the question. I am out on Javi Baez, and I've always been in on Javi Baez. It is his second year in Detroit. Maybe good things will happen, but it's Detroit. With that uh, big swing, I'm just going to avoid it and save myself the pain. Yeah, I could see myself. The price is good, though. The price is darn good. Yeah, I could see myself being in on him, potentially. Um, ADP at 170. You know, Everything went poorly for him. I think he was struggling with injuries. He was struggling with expectation. I think we saw like pretty much the low. Oh, 100%. In, in a lot of ways, hopefully. But I mean, even within that, you know, 590 plate appearances, 238, which isn't going to crush you. And you still had 17 home runs and nine steals with 64 and 67. Um, you know, the projection right now of 240 with 22 and 10 seems eminently reasonable you know, 170 is not bad and it also aligns with you know uh the projection and could you see him putting together uh you know 25 15 season with mm-hmm. you know a 260 batting average sure I, I think that's very much within the realm of possibility so i think those are the kind of like the buy low after a bad season type guys who still have that speed mm-hmm. hit combo and he's gonna play every day he's gonna be in the middle of the lineup so why not? Why not Javi Baez? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I was giving Javi a hard time just because it was, it was a lot of PTSD. I've, I've been on Javi like every year and it's been awesome. It, and I said it, I say it every year as a caveat. It's going to catch up and bite me one of these days. Well, it, it bit me last year. It did. 
But at ADP like 170, that's pretty darn intriguing all of a sudden to be able to like get that. Hopefully have a better batting average base in play. It, it's a good look. So I don't disagree with you there. I'm not running to do it, but like, would you rather have Javi Baez or Thyro Estrada going right next to each other? That's a good question. They're like eight. Um, apart. I think I think it depends on. I might go Estrada, but I think it depends on what my team looks like. Okay. You know, like because I think Estrada more the steals, Javi more the power. Estrada more the batting average, you know. Um, but I certain I think that I think Javi's ceiling is certainly higher. I think than Estrada. No. Yeah. Um, all right, Dynasty Junkie has a joke question: Will Carlos Correa be a twin on opening day? I think so. I think we finally finished that race. But um, his serious question, in all seriousness, what would a very good outcome for Nico Horner be? It's an it, it's a great question because I've kind of looked at Nico a few times and. Could be this big an average guy. Could get a little more power. Could steal a lot of bags. Like there's a lot of questions, a lot of could-ofs. Could, could, could. So what do you think when you look at Nico Horner? Like, I see the appeal. I'm just not running to do it when you look at an ADP of 139. Like a Medrazaro goes right before him. 30 picks later is Baez, almost 40 picks later is Thyro Estrada. It's tough for me to pick Nico at that point, but maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, I like Nico Horner. I like Ahmed Rosario. I like those are two guys in that range that that are, um, you know, kind of what I mentioned before, like those high batting average, good steals guys with enough power, you know, that it's not going to hurt you too badly. Um, I think with Horner, um, I mean, like, what's the what's the upside? I mean, you know, three hundred batting average for sure. I mean, he cut his K rate to eleven percent last year. You know, one of the challenges is he doesn't walk. He doesn't have particularly good plate discipline and he doesn't have enough power to really scare people. So he doesn't walk very often. And so the OBP is relatively low, which limits the steals a little bit, but then I think more importantly, kind of limits the run potential, especially in, in that lineup. Um, so I think those are pieces, you know, he only had 11 barrels last year um, for the 10 home runs. And so that's one thing to think about. I think the major thing capping that potential is the um, is the power. I don't really see a huge um, jump there. Although again, he's not like a super lightweight; like he's around one ten for his max EV. So it's definitely there, and he's still young at twenty five. Um, so I think him and him and Rosario are are pretty similar kind of guys, um, similar weaknesses, similar strengths, you know, Nico, maybe a little bit more speed and, um, Rosario maybe with a little bit more power. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think there's a little bit of a cap to what Nico can do, but most of that is power related. I think he can contribute in batting averages and steals, which at this point in the draft, if you address that power earlier, then, you know, it's a nice little profile to add to your team. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Like, there's a safety net there. Like, he gives you to the batting average. Um, you look at his profile outside of like you know, 15 steals, which is a lot of steals. Don't get me wrong, a lot of steals. That profile looks very similar to Tommy Edmond to me, but because um, I think that, I don't know, Edmond maybe has more power. I'm just kind of being snarky, I think, but there's a lot of similarities there with Tommy. Um, next question from SMMS79, everybody, MS. What is a realistic home run target for Wander that would elevate him to top 25 player? Was it normally saying like 25-ish home runs, give or take? Yeah, I mean, I think 
T- top 20 is that was the question the top 25 player probably have to be like 30 home runs yeah no i mean i think they're i think they're the, the average the average will there. Push so much yeah he hits if he, the thing is if he hits 25 home runs right and the projection has him at 16 that's nine additional hits that yeah. he's getting with the same babip right Plus so i think yeah. i think the 325 homers 10 steal 10 to 15 steals that's kind of the pathway to top 25 and seems honestly very doable. Doable, yeah. As I said earlier, I was like, I could see him having his year, and all of a sudden he's back to that early pick we talked about last year. And now it's a question again, so it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, and then, do we think Correa will have a chip on his shoulder? Feels like this news might drop his draft stock, which was already low. I don't know what Correa's deal. Like the fact is, the Mets asked him to take a physical every year for the next six years, and he said no. Tells you a lot about what's going on. So uh, there's there's must be some serious concerns about that past ankle injury. That's all I know. Like some serious concerns for that kind of cash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I the chip on the shoulder. I don't really think so. I mean, you know, this is the majors. Like guys are. He just went through a scandal about cheating and and winning the World Series. I think this is minute to him. Yeah, it's just he, he, you know, I think everybody's trying their hardest. And maybe there's different sources of motivation or focus, but Correa, yeah, doesn't seem like a guy that's really impacted by that. You know, he had a similar focus this year to get this contract, you know. Um, so I think that I don't think there's any major change. I think he's going about where he should, you know, based on the projection. Yeah, like 109 rank, 122 ADP. And you know, he's a good, he's a good player. Health is sometimes an issue, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. And our last question is from our buddy Todd Whitestone at Telestar 7. If you had to choose in the seventh round of a 15-team league between Willie Adamas with a stat line of 250, 30 homers, eight stolen bases, versus Wander Franco hitting 280, 10-10, who do you prefer? Assume you aren't extremely weak on power or average going into this pick. And do you generally agree with these projections? Those are his projections. Or actually, that's Steamer. But 250, 30, and 8 for Willie, 280, 10, and 10 for Wander. With I those, think those are made. I think those are made up. Okay. Made 280, up. 10, and 10 didn't sound right. But with those projections in place, Adamus. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, hitting 250 with 30 and 8, almost the same steals, 20 more homers. I'll take the bad average hit. Yeah, because I think, I mean, again, like all of it is going to depend on what your team looks like at that point in time. And he's saying, you know, assume, but he I think assume just, you're not weak on power or average. So you're, you're good on both. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the straight up valuation of those two profiles, what you gave, is I think the 250 batting average would carry that yeah. um, by a decent margin. And I also think that, but I think that that's heavy. Like that's heavy on the batting average for Adamus, um, maybe a little heavy on the speed. And then it's light on the power for Franco. Um, Wander. Light on the average too. Light on the, a little light on the average for the projection as well, and a little light on on or about right on speed. Yeah, yeah, pretty close on yeah. speed. Yeah. So yeah, be interesting. I think before that question, I think we both kind of agreed that Wander and Adamus is a little more interesting than it once was. Well, Wander's going way ahead of Adamus actually, but. Um, you could see some arguments there, but with that, with that quote unquote projection. And so it's a little different, of course. All right, Toby, that'll wrap us up infield in the books. Uh, any final thoughts about third base? We have uh, outfield coming up next week. 
Um, no thoughts about third base, Bubba, but shortstop. I do. Sorry, shortstop. I'm sorry. Just, yes, I'm sorry. just teasing you. I'm just teasing. I was thinking about um, Correa all of a sudden because he's not going to be th- third base eligible oh, anymore. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. going to be depressed. So much fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's some interesting profiles throughout. I think there's a little bit of everything for, for what people are looking for. Some bounce back, some values, some overrated people, you know. It's the yep. it's the usual. I think all the all the positions are relatively similar, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. No, it, it is fun because usually like there's some massive dead zones or dead spots, and I think when going through these positions, we've seen pockets that are very doable almost at every position. Almost like I'm pretty sure at least even third base we found something we liked later on. Um, so it comes down to draft strategy, team construction, like we say all the time, and it comes back to the common like new thing that people are talking about and you guys are talking about it and you're in with like phil and, and steve and, and and rob it's not so much positional scarcity it's uh, statistical scarcity so fill your st- stats up don't care how they get there type thing uh, i think that's one way to look at these positions it's not as much of a you know this drops here you have to get take so and so it's like no you can live with um thyro estrada at pick 190 if you fill the other spots up type thing so there's it's it's a good example behind that. You don't have to take the Boba Shet early on. You can take something else, like things like that, for roster construction purposes. And that's why, like, if you don't want to pay money, do some mock drafts. I guess if you want to pay a few bucks, there's a ton of uh, cheap uh, best balls, DCs, and NPC fifties. Just get a feel for the way it goes. That's all I gotta say. Is get a feel. But uh, if you have nothing else, Toby, we're gonna wrap it up here and head to the outfield next week. All right. That was nothing. Check out Toby on Twitter. <laughs> check, out Toby, check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Get his petrified dinosaur poop throughout the house. Hopefully he doesn't step on it and crack it or something. Uh, I am on Twitter at BDNTrick. This is Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 142. Catch you guys next time.